and welcome back to another edition of Afterthoughts Podcast. I'm Kelly, and here's my co-host. Hi. Hi. And we are going to be discussing on this exciting day Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart and The Raven. All right. So I actually have taught both of these, but you had never read them before. If I had read them, then I did not remember. Okay. I, I know that I've heard The Raven through, os, through Osmosis. Yeah. I, I mean, The Simpsons had an episode where yeah. they did a version of The <laughs> Eat Raven. my shorts, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that, one. That's probably my biggest exposure to it, actually. Mm. I like the I like the uh, Christopher Lee version uh, when he reads does a dramatic reading of the Raven. He has such an amazing voice. But so we're gonna start with the Telltale Heart now. Just coming off of Halloween, this is something we've been working on. But this is one of the most brilliant stories of any time. It is a story about a man going insane and murder because of an evil eye. So, this this is so complex because there's so much going on here. And I'm talking about this with, I'm actually teaching this to my students right now. It's from first person perspective, and that's what makes it brilliant because you're seeing it through the eyes of the killer himself. I was gonna say, it's a monologue. Yes, it is a huge monologue, or inner monologue, I suppose you could say. Um, Otherwise, it's a soliloquy, but yeah. Um, An inner monologue. Uh, And so, what were your thoughts? I could go on for days about this, but what were your initial thoughts when you first started reading this? This is pretty good. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I you think should be a book reviewer. I know, right? <laughs> with my, with my uh, many, many words that I know. Yes. <laughs> my goodness. Speaking of words, there are a lot of them in here, and they all mean something. So, I mean, this story grabs you right off the very bat it is the first words i I think we're this this is where like the disparity between me and you when it comes to this particular subject is really shining through yeah because i've read this thing three times now it's Uh it's what four or five it's like pages pages of a story yeah it's nice and dense for such a small Mm, bit of storytelling and it is that character being so intense the entire time yes because through this process it is a inner monologue Uh like you said and what's wild is that the how do i want to describe this like right from the get-go he is talking in terms of I'm not crazy, mm-hmm. reassuring himself the entire way. It's it's a thread through the entire story. Yes. And it is just meant to be there to accentuate just how wild his thoughts yes. are and how out of bounds his thinking is yes. and, and how clearly troubled he is. Yes, exactly. And like I'm just starting to discuss with my students right now, we are talking about his reality 
And the big question I posed to my students just yesterday and today is, is everyone's reality the same? And that goes directly from my lesson of this story. It is brilliant. It is mind boggling because we all think we live in the same reality and we really don't. I mean, he's living proof that, you know, it, you know, sanity and insanity take many different forms. You've heard the phrase, everybody's the hero of their own story. Yes, exactly. Right? I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to is that you don't perceive yourself as a bad person. Yeah. Most people don't perceive themselves <laughs> as a bad person. Yeah. Uh, or at least if they have to, if they do things, they might feel like, well, it was justified or I had to do yes, it. Things like that. Exactly. But the big thing here is it grabs you. Like I said, from the very first line, it grabs you. Because the first words, I believe, are nervous. Truly nervous. True. Nervous. nervous. Very. Very. Very, very nervous. nervous. I had been and am, but why will you say that I am mad? Exactly. The disease had sharpened my senses, but not destroyed, not dulled them. Above all was the sense of hearing acute. I heard all things in the heaven and in the earth. I heard many things in hell. How, then, am I mad? Hearken, and observe how healthily, how calmly I can tell you the whole story. Yes. And really what he's trying to sell it is on the end point right there of, look, I can tell you calmly in a measured fashion, mm -hmm. unemotionally, and so therefore I can't be crazy because I'm not displaying wild swings of emotion. Yes. And this is also another thing. I had my students do a, a trial, a mock trial of sanity versus insanity. Is he really insane or is he actually sane? That you could go back and forth on this forever, honestly. And it's really, it's, it's a measure of brilliance that is unmatched by any author ever. And he grabs you right off the bat. So... Um, yeah. So what were your thoughts? I know we, we kind of dabbled into this, but did you have any other, uh, things that grabbed you right away? About this story? About this story. I think, uh, the amount of detail mm -hmm. that he gives when describing things. Yes. Is impressive. I mean, they, they really paint a picture mm -hmm. with everything that's said. I mean... Here, presently I heard a slight groan, and I knew it was the groan of mortal terror. It was not a groan of pain or of relief. Oh no, it was the low stifled sound that arises from the bottom of the soul when overcharged with awe. Mm -hmm. He's covering one utterance yes. of a sound with such detail. Yes. And you can picture it as he's describing it. Mm -hmm. you know, his his wordplay is ways that he describes things is just masterful yes and that's another thing sensory detail as i was saying t just today is so incredibly important and this whole thing is sensory detail and i told my students i was like if you don't have this then you don't have a story and so this is what we were going off about if if you're not making your reader see it then you're not doing it correctly and this is what Poe does well. He makes you see it exactly as it would be. I mean, and this this man, he's not just insane because he kills somebody 
and the way he does it and then dismembers the body. But the fact that he thinks his motive for doing it was an eye of all things, an eye, an evil eye, a vulture eye. And that one thing drove him over the brink. Now remind me, this this evil eye, it was like a specter oh, hanging no, no. over it, it him, was or like, was it? Okay, it was, he, he described the eye as pale blue, which mm-hmm. means it was a cataract. Okay. So he saw that, and since it was cloudy, and you know, it looked terrifying to him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the old man was not in you know, by any means dangerous. He just had this eye that looked different. And to us, it would just be like he had a vision problem. He had a cataract in that eye. Mm -hmm. And so he went blind. Right. But to him, it was evil. It was something that needed to be killed. So kind of superstition. Yes. Or superstition or just it not being of like. Yes. of It is not normal, so I have to get rid of it. Yeah. It It was almost like some sort of a... Uh, it was like his immune system. It's like an immune system that tries to kill a, a tumor or something. It was him t- trying like, to decide he needed to get rid of this eye. Or like a body rejecting a transplant. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So he was attacking this thing. And then, of course, the poor old man, he said, and he goes, and this is one reason he sounds perfectly sane. He goes, I had no reason to resent the old man. I loved the old man. He was always good to me. I didn't want anything from him. But it was his eye. It was his evil eye. And that is this story. That is the the brilliance. It, it It's so ridiculous that it can actually be true. People see things when they're feverish, uh, when they're delusional. And, you know, and different states of mind can make you see different things. And he is just showing it. From a his own perspective, there's absolutely nothing unrealistic about this. It is just a person who is completely delusional, trying to figure out this quote unquote evil eye, and so then it gets really dark. I mean, the whole thing is just dark. The man has been <laughs> spying on this man for seven days and seven nights, and then. He said he would stand there for an hour just watching him at night. And it would shine. He would shine the the lantern and it would shine in his eye and he'd stir. And then, you know, it, he'd kind of wait. Then he wouldn't move. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't move a muscle for an hour. This is premeditation at its finest. He did this and he took a whole week deciding how he was going to plot this out. And then, do you remember... What he did. Yes, but tell me. He flipped the mattress, he suffocated the old man, and then dismembered his body and shoved him under the floorboards. Yep. And then he's like, I'm free. Until he wasn't. (laughs) Now, the police come. He's just like, oh, I'm calm. I'm going to say, you know, it was just a dream. The oh. the old man's gone. Oh, you know, he, he he invites them in. He I'll, invites you know, them like, in. Says, please look everywhere. <laughs> and he's just thinking, yeah, I've got, you know, I've actually gotten away with murder. And then all of a sudden, thump 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 thump, and he's like, this is, you know, going 
downward. So he starts really spiraling out of control. Mm-hmm. So he's thinking this heart he's hearing, which is... He's thinking it's the old man's, but can you guess whose heart it probably actually is? His. His. Yeah. Because when you're scared enough, you actually hear your heartbeat in your ears. So yes, he was scared. There was a sense of guilt. It's not like this man was probably naturally bad. He just had some bad things happen. And it sounds more like he was a victim of circumstance, but... He was hearing this and he was thinking, oh, they're mocking me. So it goes on to what they're actually saying, what the police are doing. They're just sitting there chatting and what he's hearing them. He's like, oh, they're mocking me. They're mocking me. So all of a sudden, this the it gets louder and faster and faster. And he's he goes out of his mind and he says, villains, vile villains, tear up the floorboards. I admit the deed. And then he gives himself up. So these these two police officers are just chilling out and he just freaks out all at once and is like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I did it. So this this is madness. As you as you would say, it is oh what I don't even know what, what the phrase is. It's it's logical madness. It's logical madness. Because he is clearly not of sound mind, but he has this, this almost... There is a logic to his behavior based on his own mind. In his own mind, it makes total sense Mm -hmm. to him because he's able to plot it out from A to Z. Yes, and he, there, there are reasons between his reality and actual reality as to how this could be working out. Edgar Allan Poe actually made this so it would sound wild and outrageous and absurd, but completely, completely within the realm of possibility. It it could be part of the sort of, you know, peeking into the window of madness Mm -hmm. of of the author. Yes. You know, the the couple things I've read now. Yes. (laughs) he, He has a clear thought process and he has a clear type of message or story to tell Mm -hmm. it's just in different ways in different venues and maybe that's true of a lot of artists maybe most artists do have that one trick and they just learn how to do it differently yeah on the situation yeah it's it's true but you know edgar Allan poe had a lot and that's what i'm going to just brush up on um brush upon here in just a second he had a lot of tragedy. I mean, his whole life was a tragedy from the, from the time he was born to the time he died. It was just awful. But he used that tragedy to his own brilliance. And the man was a genius. I mean, hands down, he was like, he was probably one of the, the best, if not the best, arguably, authors in the entire world ever to live. And that's because he could use his own experiences to his advantage. He lost everybody. He lost everybody he'd ever loved to tuberculosis. It was just crazy. But this story is one of my absolute favorites of any story ever. And that's why. Because it's told from first person. You're actually seeing what's happening. You're seeing it through the eyes of a killer. And his stories, a lot of his stories are like that. Even The Raven is like that. 
So there's no murder in that one, but it's being told through the perspective of the man who is seeing and experiencing the raven come through his window. Right. So anyway, which incidentally, I, um, Edgar Allan Poe, can you imagine, can you guess how much he sold the raven for originally? Uh, in current U.S. dollars? Not in current U.S. dollars, <laughs> just in those uh, U.S. dollars. Was it U.S.? It is, was U.S. He, he was from, well, that's where the Baltimore Ravens come from, is because he's from Baltimore. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. He's, it's pretty awesome. That's, that's cool. where the That's where the Ravens get their name. Yeah. So, I would say maybe $100. $15. $15. Can you imagine selling a manuscript... Of that caliber for $15, I don't care what time period this was, that is that is stealing, that is robbing somebody. <laughs> but he, he sold it to a newspaper, mm-hmm. and people read it, and they loved it, and they loved him then. He was just a, he was a man who did not know how to manage his money. He yeah. didn't know how to do it. He was brilliant, and that's, it, it, it was so tragic. But I, if you ever, if you've ever seen, did they show you the the dark and beautiful, or the the beautiful and dark mind of Edgar Allan Poe in no, high school? Not that I recall. Okay, there's this documentary called the the beautiful yet dark mind of Edgar Allan Poe. So good, and mm. it goes through everything his life, his experiences, the fact that he married his first cousin at the age of 26 and she was 13. You know, at that time he was twice her age. It, it was just the man was. He was troubled, but he was a good person. And it, it, it's just, it shows in his work. It, he was passionate. But, you know, and I don't know. It, it was just, it's just tragic. But he only lived to be 40 years old. What was so, that around? Is that around average? Lower than average at the time? Back then, um, I want to say it was below average. He was only 40. It, it's it's always been the, the average lifespan. is supposed to be about 70 um, but he, um, oh, when did he die? Uh, 1849 and he was born in 1809. Let's see. Oh, 41 years. That, that was the average back then? That's what it says. That's quite. Now, grant you, I, I've heard, I've heard claims that for some of these average lifespan stuff, it's skewed by infant deaths. Yes. And so, you know, the average person might actually live to be 60-something, mm-hmm. but you have to be able to get out of that first round <laughs> before yeah, I mean, you, you know, life chance. comes in, yeah, <laughs> life comes in uh, circles, but, um, and levels. But, yes, um, biblically, I think they say 70 years, but it... In reality, in this reality, it's uh, probably a lot lower than that in this time period. But, um, yeah. So, um, that brings us to the Raven. Now, do you know, speaking of history, what inspired the Raven? 1840? That's when, no, that's when he died. When was well, the 1849 is when he died. When? When was the Raven written? Around eighteen forty-three, maybe that. Maybe that was a Telltale Heart. It was. It, they were both around there. Hmm. Hmm. Um. I don't know. The Civil War. <laughs> no. It was his wife Virginia getting sick with tuberculosis. Uh huh. 
that inspired him to write The Raven because she was the third or fourth person he had lost or was about to lose to tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. All of the women in his life died and it just, it, it, it was too much for his brain to handle. And at this point he was really in decline once she started dying and she died slowly. It was like five years. So they, she, she was dying for five years. And he, his, his madness took over. And there's, there's this quote by him. He goes, I became, I became insane by long intervals of sanity, of miserable sanity. Mm-hmm. And that was him in a nutshell. And that, that's where this starts coming in. So, all right. When it first opens, it's, ta- it's a man talking about the end of December... And it's, um, it was in the, the, uh, bleak December, um, around midnight. So we're talking around New Year's probably. So he's starting to go off about this. And then all of a sudden this bird comes just sort of like barging through. And then for no other reason, he's like, why are you here? And the bird keeps mocking him and he's like, nevermore. And then he just keeps going. And he's like, but why? But why? And this is another, this is him slowly unraveling. And so Lenore is what he calls her. Um, he called her Lenore in this. When she died, he wrote the poem Annabelle Lee, which was also based off of her. But yeah, he, for whatever reason, he didn't use her actual name, but that's who he was, that's who he was alluding toward. And so what about this? Because... This is a poem that can go on for days in its figurative language. What about this did you notice? What really spoke to you about it? Uh, truthfully, the main thing was the structure of the actual poem itself. Okay. Or, or, or the stanzas that it goes in. Mm-hmm. We, we talked about this a little bit, but uh, the way that it's written almost makes it sound like Oh yeah, yeah. In iambic pentameter. Yeah. So, like for example, once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded gently napping, suddenly there came a a tapping, tapping. Yes. As of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. You know, it's. I guess it made sense since it's a poem, but it, it sounds like song lyrics. It's a meter. Like yeah, it, it's in meter. It, 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 trying to think about like the melody. Mm-hmm. It's with, not you know, in prose. It's, and, in, it's in poetic form. And in, in that sense, I got into a state where I kind of got distracted time to time reading it just yeah. because my brain would start measuring out uh-huh. with it and it it's like a song yeah right. right so you have to read it several times before you really start understanding what's happening but so much of this is is just it it talks about this raven and and there was a purple curtain and and it just like purple back then was known for only being worn by royalty and and the bust of palace who was a uh a goddess and just these different iconic figures coming into play here. But this one person, this guy, this man, this narrator is getting again, flustered. 
but he's showing his frustration and then the fact that the bird is like nevermore and i mean can you kind of guess what the bird is representing um I mean, my first thought's death, but I feel like that might be a little too literal. It's, it's no, no, no. It, it really is. And the reason why it's showing him as being all wild-eyed and he goes through this and he's yelling at it and it just is like, nevermore. It doesn't change. It doesn't move. You change and move, but he remains stagnant, constant. Didn't change his voice, didn't change anything. And that's how Poe was feeling. He felt helpless and useless and no match for the inevitable. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I took from this is that he was like beating his head against a brick wall. Mm -hmm. But no matter what he said, he's like, where's Lenore? What, what's, where, where is she? Can I see her? Can I? And he's and the Ravens like nevermore. And that was it. I mean, it's just. You know, whatever. I mean, he it, it's just showing death as being just this this commonplace in his life. He fights against, but he can't. It always wins. It always takes over. That's what I got. That's what I've always gathered from this poem, and that he's just this helpless person who can't do anything. I think your vast knowledge of Edgar Allan Poe helps you appreciate it more yes i i think without that backstory i think if i were learning about this in school i would be a little lost as to what the meaning was probably like that that's it's an interesting bit of pretext that really sells like what's really happening there, Mm -hmm. right so it's if i had known that I probably wouldn't be able to grip the pieces together and yeah. understand it more fluently. But and, uh, and, and it's true. It's true. I, I have a very, very broad knowledge of Edgar Allan Poe and his works. But knowing that and sort of understanding his background helps you understand that he feels like a helpless human being. He, he feels his mortality, his, his limitations... And it is expressed in this poem, and in so many, and so like I said, he, his his most famous quote about his, you know, being driven insane due to long intervals of horrible sanity, is is really telling about what he was and who he was, and he was so eloquent in the way he stated things and what he did. He was such. He really was a good person. He honestly was. He was a very caring, very loving person. He didn't get that a lot because his his uh, stepfather, or not stepfather, I guess his foster father was awful to him. He lost his foster mother to, tubercul- to tuberculosis, and he saw him, you know, cheating on her and everything. And he, even at a young age, at 15, he knew. He's like, this is not how you treat women. And he grew up being that stand-up guy. He just never caught a break. And, you know, but one thing 
really quickly here. Do you know, I, I'm assuming you don't, but do you know how he died? My brain goes to tuberculosis. <laughs> but, uh, no, it wasn't. Um. <laughs> he, it wasn't. He actually disappeared for three days. And then all of a sudden, he finds they find him, like, just, like, soiled and everything in the street in somebody else's clothes. And he's delirious. And so he went to the hospital, and they were thinking maybe it was politicians who kidnapped him and drugged him and, and all of that. But um, but it, it, he went to the hospital, and his dying words were, God help my poor soul. And then he died. Mm-hmm. And that was... That was how he lived. He died the way he lived, tortured. And, you know, I I find Edgar Allan Poe so fascinating because I think he deserves every bit of recognition we can possibly give him. And, you know, I, I think that he was just a remarkable human being. And, you know, my, my students are always like, you know, he married his cousin and she was 13. Oh, yes, it was not something you do today, but it was acceptable back then. I mean, that's what you did. I don't know, but, you know. Anyway. But anyway, that is my take on Edgar Allan Poe and just a little taste of the many incredible works that he has done. And do you have anything else you wanted to add about The Raven or The Telltale Heart? They're great in small doses. Well. I, I mean. I'm, the, <laughs> I mean, they are small the, doses. Yes, that's my point, though, is that the. The stuff is so heavy mm-hmm. that you walked away feeling like I, I need to do something a little more lighthearted. I need to process this and not feel. Yeah, I need to see a little sunshine yes. go outside and touch grass. Yes, know? exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's it's great work. It's amazing, and it sticks with you if you pay attention. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, so that that is our that's our brief. Uh, journey into the mind and brilliance of Edgar Allan Poe. Just a little taste of it. And everyone should have this experience. Everyone should read and understand Edgar Allan Poe because he was worth understanding. But anyway, so yes, that that is that is our uh, episode for this week and our next episodes. In the no- next coming episodes, we are starting now officially. The Lord of the Rings. And there will be prizes and things coming up, so please stay tuned for those. Prizes. Prizes. I have a very cool, cute little thing to give away to one lucky listener. Mm. And so whoever shares us or whoever likes our page and whatnots and what have yous, and you will be entered for a chance to win this adorable little thing that I have. So anyway, uh, stay tuned for that. And so, yeah, do you have anything else you want to say before we go? Bye. Bye. (laughs) Well done. Anyway, okay. Well, we will be back shortly with more on The Lord of the Rings. And um, I guess we will see you all soon. Bye. Bye.